0: You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Really appreciate it. I look good. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all look awesome. <laughs> I'm going to put this down here. Thank you. Um, it's been it's been great uh, this morning to get to be with you guys. And um, just want to just say a couple things. And I really believe the message that God has for us this morning is going to be um, a pretty uh, monumentous uh, thing that happens over the next couple of weeks. And I feel like that God's really kind of given me some things about how we can walk through something as a people together. And so I just, uh, one of the things that I just want to say before I get into the today's message is, you know, this season has been weird and it's been hard. Amen. It's been hard. It really has been hard. Um, it, just speaking from our perspective up here, I know for everybody to be at home and, and engaging with church online, it's, I'm grateful for it. I'll just tell you that. Um, I'm glad that we have that technology and we're, we've been able to use that throughout the season, um, but it doesn't replace this. And as we've been um, doing service uh, from the building up here um, to an empty room, it's just been very challenging. I think that our team, has done a fantastic job. Um, We were actually in the middle of revamping our live stream equipment right before um, the pandemic hit. And so um, we had all of this new stuff that we were trying to learn and learn on the fly and had to learn it really fast. And they really responded to to the challenge. Um, But then our main person that pulls off our live stream, Catherine McWilliams, um, she had a baby and so she was gone. And so we were we were all kind of some days looking at each other going, man, we're just ready for all this to be over and back to normal. And I know in everybody's different context, there have been moments where you've had that same feeling. It's like, I'm just ready for this to be over and we can move past this and move into something because it's been hard. It's been hard as this pandemic has hit to belief. I know the first uh, week that we were talking about not having church services, I had this, this um, just disbelief in me. It's like, we're, we're not going to not have church, right? I mean, I, I don't know where you were eight weeks ago. That seems like an eternity eight weeks ago. But eight weeks ago, I was literally sitting here going, we're not going to not do this. That can't happen. And I can remember going into a Zoom meeting, which has become a normal part of life now, um, I, I remember going into a Zoom meeting with a bunch of pastors from TFAC. We're, we're connected with a bunch of pastors all over the country. And, and we were just talking about some of the information coming out from the president and the governor and the CDC and just the, the numbers that they were talking about at that time. And just having that sobering moment where it's like, okay, yeah, we really need to do something to cooperate and try to mitigate what's going on and try to help and do our part. And so it, it's just been hard. It's been hard to, um, to, to, to remain passive and to stay at home. Um, for those of, of us who have, who have done that and who, who haven't gone to work and to stay at home, and especially for somebody who's a fixer, if you want to just go fix something, it's really hard to wait and do nothing. Uh, I think that's been a super hard thing. Uh, it's been hard to watch our county struggle. As, as we went from, uh, the, the, the first um, friend, pastor friend that I had that canceled their services was actually um, the last weekend of spring break, and we actually had service that weekend. And I was like, man... Uh, this is, we're in Dumas, and this is going to affect New York City, and this is going to affect everybody else, but then it's been, it's been hard to watch our county really struggle as, as our numbers have gone up, and people have gotten sick, and people have passed away. It's just been hard, and I think it's okay to acknowledge that it's been difficult. There's been some difficulty that we've walked through. It's been difficult to, to listen to the news, and to not know who to listen to, and to, 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 to hear conflicting information happen. It's been hard To see the nasty side of people come out on social media and pointing fingers. But here's the thing that I want to kind of prep you for as we move into today's message is I feel like that the hardest part is really this next chapter, because now begins the rebuilding. Rebuilding life, rebuilding your social structures, rebuilding the economy. Rebuilding everything that has been kind of broken down over the last eight weeks. The rebuilding part is something that we're going to have to have God show up even more so than we've had over the last several weeks because I think this is the reality is the hard stuff isn't over yet. And I'm trusting that God is going to get us through the immediate weeks ahead and the months that are coming so that we can step into something new that God has for us. And so today um, we're going to start a brand new series And the the, the title of this series is going to be Brave New World. And the reason that I titled that is because as we all come out of our shelters and everybody begins to re-engage with life and we start, you know, whether some people are essential and they haven't stopped going to work, right? But as people do start going back to work and and we start um, going to restaurants and we start going to church and all those different things, it's going to demand this courage. I don't know about you, but I have read way more articles about how much spit is flying in the air than I could have ever cared to have read. And so it's like those, those thoughts and those challenges, it's going to take some courage to re-engage with the world that we're living in. And honestly, this, this world that we're stepping back into, it's different. It's the same, but it's different. You're struggling with different thoughts that you didn't have. I don't know if you ever thought about spit whenever you sang before, but I thought about it a couple times this morning. But it doesn't negate the fact that I need to re-enter and begin to, with courage, step back into my life. And so what I'm going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to go through the book of Ezra. I'm just going to give you a short overview of the book of Ezra. And I'll just encourage you, if you've never read the book of Ezra, start to finish, I would encourage you to do that over the next several weeks. Because Ezra, this this book, and and I want to ask you to open there, if you will. We're going to read in Ezra chapter 1 today. And Ezra, this book, is um, a real pivotal moment in the nation of Israel's history. If you have, if you're, if you have your Bible and, and it's actually the, the, the hard copy, um, if you go to the middle, which is the book of Psalms, and take a left, Ezra is right before the book of Psalms. So there's Ezra, Nehemiah, a couple of short prophet books. And then you'll find, you know, Psalms and Song of Solomon and all those different ones. And so it's one of those books that we don't that sometimes we skip over because it's so short and you just kind of pass through, you'll throw them through your Bible, you'll pass through it. But there's a powerful message and a powerful moment in the nation of Israel's history that's actually covered in the book of Ezra. This is a moment that actually is is really similar to what we're going through right now. And so I want to give you just a quick backdrop and a context for what's happening in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah, the book right after Ezra, are talking about the same moment in history. Nehemiah actually came was, was before Ezra. He, and, and we'll talk about what this is. But basically what they're talking about is the post-exilic years of the nation of Israel's history. So if you didn't know this about Israel, Israel came out of slavery with, with, uh, with Moses. They left Egypt and God brought them to a promised land, and God gave them this commandment, I am your only God. That's it in a nutshell. And the nation of Israel strayed from God, and they worshiped idols, and God disciplined them, and He called them back to Himself many different times. Well, ultimately, they rebelled against God, and God warned them through prophets, specifically the prophet Jeremiah. He said, if you do not repent and return to me, then you're going to be conquered by another nation, and you're going to go out of the land that I brought you to. This promise that I gave to your forefathers, I'm going to cause that land to vomit you out. This was the message of Jeremiah. And you're going to go into exile. And that very thing happened whenever Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came and he conquered Israel and he took the entire nation of of their, their, their best craftsmen, their best scribes, their best doctors, their best lawyers. He took all of the best of the nation of Israel and he took them to Babylon. Babylon got conquered by Persia. And Cyrus was the king of Persia, where we're going to start reading here in just a second now. Here's the interesting thing about this moment, in, this pivotal moment in, in history for the nation of Israel. God is going to begin to bring them out of their exile back into the land. And He brings them out through phases. And as He brings them out through phases, there's this sovereign move of God's Spirit in their life, and it sparks a national revival. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I'm convinced of is that it is on God's agenda to revive the nation of the United States of America and bring us into revival. But it just doesn't stop with the USA. God wants to bring revival to the world. It's on his heart to bring a harvest in and bring people to salvation in Jesus Christ. And so I don't know that there's a more fitting message from God's Word than the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah in this hour. And so as we talk about this, here's here's the thing that I want you to see is that the, the people of Israel are emerging out of exile, but they are emerging out of exile into a normal rhythm of their life, and they reestablish God's culture, and it sparks a huge revival. So let's look at Ezra chapter 1 and let's read this this morning. And I want to pray before we do. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I believe that your word is life. That it is the bread of life. That Jesus, you are the word. And so Jesus, would you, the word of God, come and preach the word of God to our hearts today. We open them up to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ezra chapter 1 says, In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, and with costly wares, besides all that was freely offered." Now, we read the majority of chapter 1 of the book of Ezra, and I'm curious, did you get the big idea of what's related to you and me? See, here's the thing that I don't want you to miss, because if you're you're not careful, you'll kind of assume that one day King Cyrus, who was a king of conquest, he conquered other nations. And what he says whenever he prays to God is, God, you have given me all the kingdoms of Asia Minor, of the world in that day. He says, you have given me all these kingdoms. And if you're not careful, you will assume that one night King Cyrus woke up and he just had this great idea. You know what? Here's my great idea. I'll take these Israelites whom have been conquered and serve me in my kingdom and I'll just let them go. That's not what happened. See, the big idea of of Ezra chapter 1 was that by the sovereign hand of God, he began to stir the spirit of Cyrus. And not only did he begin to stir the spirit of Cyrus, he began to stir the spirit of his people, Israel. They were in exile. He stirred them up to do something. It wasn't just a good idea. As a matter of fact, a conquering king doesn't just have that idea. Let me let everybody go. It's only by the hand of God that Cyrus had this revelation and he began to be stirred. It said two times in that chapter. Verse 1, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. That word in the Hebrew, that word for stirred, it means to wake, to rouse from slumber, to open your eyes. We use that in our, in, in our English language sometimes whenever you think about waking up in the morning, you begin to stir in your bed. And your thoughts begin to think and you, you're kind of in that groggy place where it's like, man, I don't want to go, but I need to go. I don't want to get up, but I'm not ready to get up. I want to sleep a little bit longer. But you begin to stir and think about all the things that need to be done that day. That's what's happening by the hand of God for Cyrus. Not only was Cyrus stirred to release the children of Israel, but the children of Israel were stirred. It said in verse 5, if you look at it again, it said, Everyone whose spirit God has stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that was in Jerusalem went. They began to make preparations to go. They were stirred to go up. They were stirred to rebuild. Cyrus, in this decree, it was a verbal decree and a written decree that was in the the logs of the royal logs in, in Persia. He said, fund the rebuilding. Give them what they need so that they can go back and rebuild the house of worship in Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing that I, I, I The question I want to ask you today is, do you feel a stirring? Do you feel like God is beginning to stir your spirit to go and do something in this moment? I, I, I think that there's this thing that's beginning to happen in people. And some people are more ready than other people, and I think that's great. But people are starting to feel the stir. It's like, man, I've got to get back to work. I'm ready to go out to eat. I'm ready to go interact with the world that we closed down eight weeks ago. I just, there was a, this thing that happened, and I think that it's kind of interesting because one of the things that's going to happen by God's hand is God is going to begin to stir each and every one of us. And as he stirs each and every one of us, there's going to be this internal conflict that happens. There's going to be this external conflict that happens as well. Now you can look on the news and you can see the external conflict that's happening in our country and even in in foreign countries as people are demanding the government to open back up and let them go live their lives and all those different things. That's the external conflict. But listen, there's an internal conflict too. That whenever God begins to stir us up to re-engage with our lives, it's going to be challenging. I know that you've experienced this already, but the other day I was, was, uh, you know just tell you a little bit of my story as we've been going through the pandemic. We, it's been hard, but we have, haven't really had it that rough. Okay? We've been pretty blessed and, and pretty secluded. But um, April and I, we've continued to work the whole time. And, and there's been some of the time that we've been able to work at home. But one of the things that she's continued to do is go to the grocery store like most of us, right? And I can remember going to Walmart with her and just trying to help her out as you know, there wasn't any toilet paper for a little while. And all those different things were happening. And, you know, concerned husband is like, I'm going to go with you. And, uh, you know, the, the protective side comes out. And so the whole time that I'm there in Walmart, I'm having these thoughts. I was like, I don't want to touch anything, and I don't want to do all these things. But I was okay with me going to Walmart and April going to Walmart. But a couple weeks ago, Emery came to me, and she was like, Hey, Dad, can I go with some friends to Walmart? Can I go buy some stuff um, for a friend of ours that's a senior? And I was like, Yeah, sure, great, go for it. Then I, then I kind of had this moment as a dad where I stopped, and I was like, Where are you going? And she was like, We're going to go to Walmart. And I was like, Nah, you're not going to Walmart. (laughs) I'm okay with going to Walmart, but I'm not ready for you to go to Walmart yet, right? And there was a barrier that had to be broken for me as a dad. Last Friday, we haven't been getting Coy out much at all. Um, He, this kid, he is immune—I mean, pretty much from everything. But still, as a dad with a handicapped son, it's like I don't want him getting sick. I don't know how he would respond. But this is what I know is I've got to re-engage with my life. So Friday, we had a doctor's appointment. We had to take Coy to Amarillo, and um, he had to wear a mask, and he hated it. And half the time, the mask was up here, and half the time, it was down there. And, and we were going through the whole mask thing with McCoy, but we had to go not just to a doctor's appointment, we had to go to Texas Tech Health Science Center. And so it's like, here I am as a dad, and I'm sitting here going, man... Walmart's way better than going to the hospital where there're sick people, right? We had to do the temperature scan and all those different things, and I just kept telling Coy, don't touch anything. Just don't touch anything. <laughs> we had germex everywhere. Listen, there was a barrier that had to be broken in me. There is going to be, as God stirs us to reengage with the world that's out there, it's going to take some courage, and there's going to be an internal struggle. It's going to happen. When is that moment? That it's, it's like, here's to the people that are in the room, there, there's this internal struggle of, hey, do I go to church? Am I ready to do that yet? And yes, but then there's a whole bunch of people that aren't ready to go. Here's the thing. If you're not feeling a stirring yet, that's okay. It doesn't, it, here's the thing. The people that are sitting in this room right now, this doesn't make the, you guys better Christians than the people who are watching online, right? Here's the thing, if we're going to make it through this this reintegration process with the the, the hand of God on us, and we respond like God wants us to respond, we are going to have to have an as-for-me-and-my-household mentality. This is not going to be a one-size-fits-all thing. You're going to have to have this as-for-me-and-my-home mentality. And so here's what I mean by that. You remember Joshua Moses' successor, he was Moses' general, and he was the... After Moses died, Joshua succeeds him, and he's the one who takes the children of Israel into the promised land. They establish the nation of Israel in promised land, they fight battles, they conquer the giants that are in the land, and Joshua, at the very end of the book of Joshua, he stands up before the nation and he challenges them to worship the Lord their God only. And he puts this challenge before them, and they have this choice. And he says this to him in, in Joshua 24, verse 15, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river in Egypt or the gods of the Amorites in whose land we now dwell. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. If we're going to do this, and, and as you begin to break barriers down and reintegrate into your life, you're going to have to have a as-for-me-and-my-household mentality. You're going to have to do what's right for your family. You're going to have to get good, as we have always had to do as Christians, at hearing the voice of the Lord for yourself, for your household, and responding to what God's asking for you. Listen, it's not time for everybody to come back to church. There's a huge part of me as a pastor that that I always want to see all these seats filled, right? I want people to receive the ministry that God has, but it's not time for everybody. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I have said On social media, and I've communicated this even one-on-one in some situations, it's like, hey, listen, it's probably better for you to stay home right now. It doesn't mean that we get extra credit because we're here today. Here's the thing, you just felt a stirring. You felt God stir you, and you felt Him say something to you in your home, and He may say something different for somebody else. See, God, as He was speaking through Joshua to the nation of Israel, was reminding them that He had shown them how to follow Him all throughout the wilderness experience. As Moses was leading them, this is what it says in Exodus chapter 13. It says, And the Lord went before the children of Israel. He went before them by, in, by day in a pillar of cloud and led them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, and that they might travel both day and and night. Now, that doesn't mean that they traveled constantly, but they would camp. And what it says in the Bible is that whenever that pillar of cloud would stop, the entire nation would stop. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second, because God was showing them and us how to follow. And how He's asking your family to follow in the season is going to be tailor made to your circumstance. He's asking you to do what you need to do for your home, for your family for who's in, who you are in charge of. So I want you to think about this, this manifestation of this reality that the children of Israel experienced. There were hundreds of thousands of people wandering around in the wilderness during Moses' exodus. Now I want you to think about the city of Amarillo. You know, roughly 250,000 people, right? This pillar of cloud, this wasn't a cloud that would kind of be over the people. It says this was a pillar. This, you know what a pillar is? It's like a column. A huge column. It was so big that the entire nation of Israel could see it, the entire city. If you, in our metaphor here in Amarillo, a, a, a cloud, a pillar of cloud, so big that the entire people in the 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 in the region could see what it was doing. And whenever it began to move, they packed up their tents and they followed. At night, it became a pillar, a column of fire, and it gave them illumination enough for hundreds of thousands of people to travel through a wilderness region, to the next place. In, in time and time and time again, the, the nation of Israel became used to, oh, the clouds moving, and they had a choice of whether they were going to follow God to the next place or not. Listen, that's what Joshua was saying. He was reminding them of that once they got into the promised land. Yeah, Hey, guys, the, the cloud's gone. The pillar of fire's gone, but your choice still remains. You've got to choose. Who are you going to serve? Who is it that you're going to follow in this moment? And listen, that's our choice in this moment. And God is going to show you what you need to do. Now, you may be asking, it's like, but how do I know what God wants me to do? Listen, if you're a blood-bought child of God, you know that pillar of fire, that pillar of cloud that was leading the nation of Israel through the wilderness? He now lives inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is what John says in 1 John 2, 27. He says, but the anointing that you received. Now, if you have any questions about this, this is what you need to make sure that you're aware of. Whenever you became born again, you received this anointing. The Spirit of God came and began to live inside of you. The that's what he's talking about. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is not a lie, just as it is taught, you abide in him. Listen, here's the reality of what you and I are going through right now it's really hard to determine who we should be listening to. That has been my frustration from day one. It's like, this person is saying yes, and this person is saying no. This person says masks. This person says no masks. This person says sing. This person says don't sing. There's, there's all these conflicting reports, right? And so I'm sitting here frustrated trying to lead my family, lead a staff, lead a church, be, be somebody who's leading other people going, who do I listen to? Listen to me right now. Okay. Listen to the voice of God who lives inside of you. Amen. He's so close to you. He is giving you the answer for your situation. Listen, the answer that He gives me may not be the answer that you, He gives you. Am I supposed to go back to church yet? Some of you have said, yeah, that's, that's right now for us. And some of us, some of us have said, no, not yet. We have somebody who's sick. We have somebody who, who uh, we're concerned about and we're not ready to do that yet. Listen, you've got to do what God's asking you to do. You have to have, as for me and my household mentality, if you're going to make it through the season, and whenever you see CNN or Fox News, and they're bringing a new report on whatever thing that's caused you to get afraid, you've got to go back to that place where you say, you know what, I I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is leading me in this direction, and that's who I've got to follow right now. Be informed. But at the end of the day, you've got to assess your own risk and follow the Lord where he's calling you to go. Now, make no mistake, regardless of how everybody's ready, it is time to rebuild. I'll just tell you one of the things that I'm, I'm super proud of is in this moment in this, during this pandemic is, is, number one, to live in Moore County. And to see the leadership and, and, and some of the wonderful things that have happened in our community as, as we've struggled. But also to live in Texas. I was on a couple of different um, calls with hundreds of pastors in the state as uh, Governor Abbott was talking about reopening. And one of the things I want you to, I want to relay, just so that you know this about our state, because it's a really wonderful thing. Especially as you see other states struggle with, with religious freedoms. We have never been asked during this whole pandemic from our governor and from our state government to shut down as a church. The first call that I ever got on and listened to um, Greg Abbott speak to pastors, he said, hey, listen, you guys can meet. We would really encourage you to not be meeting right now, but you guys are free to meet. We are not going to infringe upon your religious freedoms. And, and so this, as, as, as a pastor and as a citizen of the U.S., that was something that I really appreciated. And it made it really easy for me as a pastor to say, great, we're not going to meet in person. We'll meet online. And that's what pastor after pastor easily made a decision because we want to do what's right for the public good. But at the same time, there is this reality that we do need to, now that our governor is encouraging us to go back to work as we choose. And he has said that several t- times. Just because the state's open and restaurants are open, you don't have to go. If you're not ready, if you shouldn't be out, then you don't need to be there if that's not right for your situation. But make no mistake about it, it is time to start rebuilding. And as we rebuild We've been given this, this really once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reset. That's it. Think about the, the, the message of Ezra again. As, as Cyrus begins to bring this edict to the entire nation in Persia, he says, this is what I want to do. I want to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. So let all the Israelites go. And by the way, give them a bunch of gold and give them a bunch of silver. Give them everything that they need to go rebuild. And guess what? Ezra, the guy who is writing this book, he didn't actually go until phase two. Sixty years later, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, um, Haggai, Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah and Haggai, their ministry was during this time. They were of the first leaders that began to lead, lead people back, and the people that they took first were the builders, They took the people who were ready to to begin to rebuild the wall and the infrastructure and begin to, to deal with the enemies that were in the land. And so listen, little old ladies didn't go in the first phase. People who were not able to do the work of rebuilding didn't go in the first phase. And so as Ezra is writing this, he comes 60 years later, he is giving the perspective because Ezra, if you didn't know this about him, he's a scribe. He's a priest, and and one of the things that he is good at is is telling history. And so he gave this orderly account of how things happened from start to finish. Listen, as we rebuild, we have been given this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reset. And whenever we rebuild, we have the opportunity to rebuild some things in our lives better than they were before. I don't know if you you know this, but the, the exile... Babylon lasted 70 years. The reintegration back into Israel lasted about 70 to 80 years. Almost as much time as they spent in exile, it took them to rebuild. And it took year upon year upon year of difficult, hard labor to begin to rebuild the life and the structure and the worship, the system of worship that the Levites had. Listen, here's the opportunity that you and I have. As this whole pandemic has caused things in our our culture and in our personal lives to be shaken and even dismantled, you have the ability now to rebuild something better than it was before. This is what Jesus... Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine... And he's talking about the Word of God. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise builder who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came... And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on a sure foundation. You and I have an opportunity now that we begin to reintegrate and as God begins to stir us, to build in such a way that anything that was in your life that wasn't on Jesus before can be now. This is your moment and this is your opportunity. That If if bad habits have been destroyed, that you can begin to build again upon a sure foundation who is Jesus. That is our opportunity. Once in a lifetime. I don't know if you've ever thought, it's like, man, it'd be great to have a month off from work, but here we are two months later, and we're like, I'm just ready to go back to work. Once in a lifetime opportunity, we would have never thought that that in in an eight-week span that we just shut everything down, but here we are. As we begin to restart and as we begin to rebuild, we have an opportunity to build it better than it was before. Now here's what I want to do. We're fixing a dismissed service and we're going to take communion. And as we take communion, I want to ask you to begin to reflect on your own circumstance. And what it is that God is asking you to build differently in this rebuilding season than was before. This is the perfect moment to change something. If your life hasn't been built on Jesus, now's the perfect time to build your life and your family on Jesus. If there's been corners of your house that have been, been kind of built on the sand and then some the of your the life has been built on the rock, now is the perfect time to shore up your foundation and make sure that your house is solidly built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Now, as we take communion this morning, Pastor Bo and the worship team are going to lead us in worship. I want to invite them to go ahead and come on out. Um, you have some communion elements that were given to you, and if you need, if you need one, if you'll just raise your hand, we have some ushers that will bring you some. There's two tabs, just rip those off. And I want you to just take those in your seat as we, as we worship together this morning. And, and, and our worship team is going to sing a blessing over you. But as you do that, I want to ask you to begin to to begin to think about your circumstance and what God is asking you to rebuild in your personal life, in your family, in your social interactions. And so if you would stand with me this morning. And I want to pray. As we worship, here's what's going to happen. I do want to give you a couple of instructions. Pastor Bo's going to dismiss the service after we're done worshiping and after we've taken communion. And then if you would, please just wait. Wait for an usher to come and they're going to dismiss you by row. And as you leave, if you have an offering, you've been given an envelope, you can put that in the box. And please discard your trash in the trash cans on the way out the building. So, Father God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you're doing a work inside of your people and inside of our, our nation right now to begin to rebuild, to open back up. And so I pray, God, that you just begin to speak to us individually where in our lives, God, we need to build something better. We ask you, God, that you would begin to shore up our foundations and that Jesus, everywhere that you have not been our rock, exposed it. I believe that you have been in the process of exposing it. But Lord, give us the resolve and the strength and the courage now to begin to build our lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.